quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching, and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question, and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101, or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the first part of our full interview with Karen Vandendries, where we discuss treasury in a sub-investment grade company. In the episode of today, expect to learn how do these challenges impact the day-to-day treasury operations and the broader financial strategy of such companies? What are the typical instruments or facilities that are impacted if not removed when a company crosses the sub-investment grade rating? What happens when a treasurer discovers overnight that it doesn't have any intraday credit lines anymore? Whether there is anything a treasurer can do to smoothen lower credit ratings impacts and much more. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us, help us spread the treasury world, and of course, help more people learn about treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solutions. They use robotic process automation, RPA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101 and with all that being said please welcome karen von Dendrich. so karen thank you so much for coming to corporate treasury 101 podcast thank you so much for having me <laughs> could you start by just introducing yourself uh, my name is Karen Ballandrisa. Um, I've been active in the treasury profession from since 1997, so a little over 25 years ago. Um, I've worked in different roles and in different organizations. Um, I'm just not, I'm not just active in the treasury profession. I really am passionate about it. I think uh, that's what drives me. So I am driven. I'm strategic, and I'm really committed to empowering teams to deliver the best of themselves. Um, I enjoy interacting with people. I like to share knowledge and, uh, and ideas, but I also like to have fun. Um, so while I work really hard, um, I do enjoy traveling, spending time with friends, um, reading a good book, having a good glass of wine. So I really like to enjoy both sides of work and play. Amazing. Okay. So we're going to talk today about sub-investment grade 
um, companies and the, the role of treasurer in those kind of companies. So could you start off just by defining that term? Like what is a sub-investment grid? Uh, what does that actually mean? And how does it, what's the opposite of that? What are the other grades, okay. I guess? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll probably walk you through a little bit what the grades are, but in yeah. essence, I mean, most companies receive a rating according to their financial strengths, their prospects and their past history. Um, so companies that have manageable level of debt, um, good earnings potential, good debt paying records, um, they will have good credit ratings um, and they will be considered what you call investment grade. Um, while the other side of the spectrum is actually being um, sub-investment grade, which means that the quality of your company's credit is considered low and that there is a high risk of default. So that is, in essence, the difference between investment grade and, and sub-investment grade. Um, so the investment grade level to which a company belongs will refer to the quality of the company's credit. And to be considered investment grade, um, the company must be rated triple B or higher by Standard & Poor's and BAA by Moody's. Anything below those two, uh, those ratings would be considered uh, non-investment. And there are rating scales, right? So, so they have, you have uh, Fitch and S&P and Moody's, which are the three main rating agencies that people know. There are other uh, rating agencies. For example, there's a European rating agency, which is called Scope, um, which is actually focusing on, on more European corporates, the way they look at it is they say we have a better view on how European corporates work and they in incorporate that in their model, but it's not as known yet as the three uh, big rating agencies. Interesting. Do <coughs> do banks look at those? Because I never heard of Scope. Scope. Yeah, Scope. No, actually, I had a, a meeting with a bank a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned and they had never even heard of it. But, <laughs> actually, but actually, it's a very big one and they work for a lot of banks themselves. Okay. So I don't think they're to be underestimated. Not that I'm making it. <laughs> we are not sponsored but, by school. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but I was also um, interested when they approached us. And, and yeah, that's interesting. So there are other players out there. And the model is the same, I assume. It's like companies pay to get a rating. Yes. Then. Okay. That's the worst part of it. You <laughs> of course, they do. <laughs> Very cool. And so you, you quickly touched upon it, Karen, but... What does a credit rating imply for a company? So you said based on the financial strength and then you're either investment grade or sub-investment grade. Mm -hmm. But what does that mean for the company in the details? Well, I think a credit rating is a forward-looking statement, right? About the credit worthiness and the credit risk of an organization. Mm -hmm. So, or And it's it looks at particularly whether a, an organization is going to be able to meet its financial obligations. So, so it's a, it indicates the likelihood that you're going to default or default on your debt payments. That's in essence what this rating uh, means. So if a company takes on more debt than it can manage, um, or if its earnings outlook um, weakens, then that will usually lower your company rating. If you can find ways to increase your earnings, if you can find ways to reduce your debt, that will usually lead to an increasing rating. Now, I think it's important to know is that it's much easier or much quicker to lose or to be downgraded than it takes to be upgraded again. So, um, I mean, within the, the profession, we always joke, I mean, one mistake and you're downgraded and you need to show for, I don't know, five, six, seven consecutive quarters that you're actually delivering on your results to, to have a chance to being upgraded again. So, so that is sometimes hard to understand, especially if, especially when you talk to your CFO or your CEO, it's like, yeah, but we've managed to show 
good results, yes, but not long enough. It needs to be there for a long time before we think, or before the rating agencies think that it is sustainable and it improves your rating. Interesting. And so when you get downgraded or upgraded, so you said there are different scales, right? Moody, Standard and Postfish all have mm -hmm. their small tweaks. Mm -hmm. When you get downgraded, do you just go one rank below and same when you get upgraded or can you go from A, A plus to C minus? Theoretically, you can. Okay. Right? Theoretically, you could go from being a prime investment, a triple A to a C. I mean, usually that means that something really went wrong. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Okay. And also you don't necessarily get downgraded immediately. You could get a negative outlook. So you, you maintain the same rating, but you have a negative outlook, meaning you need to be very careful because if you don't address certain KPIs or certain metrics, that would mean that you would then get downgraded. Is that publicly disclosed that this company has got a negative outlook? Yes. Or? Yeah. Just part of your rating. Okay. So it's part of your rating. Um, Okay. Yes. But usually it's like one notch. Um, and what also happens is the rating agencies have a um, annual review of each company that they track or that they follow. Mm -hmm. And usually the outcome of, I mean, in our case, we're rated by both Moody's and S&P. It's very uncommon to have a different rating. So you're usually in the same. It does happen. And that's what they then call a split rating. That's a terminology that is being used is that if your credit is qualified differently by one rating agency for the versus the other, and then you could be, I don't know, considered a speculative from one rating agency, but highly speculative from another. So why do you get more than one rating though? Why would you as a company go out and get more than one? Is there an advantage to that? Are you hoping for a split? There is sometimes <laughs> you could be hoping for a split. Um, but there are also investors, um, in order for them to be able to invest in your stock or in your debt, want or need to have a company or, or the debt being rated by two rating agencies. Okay. Um, Interesting. So, so you could, you could have three if you wanted to, but again, remember you pay to get rated. So, and it's not, I mean, it's not cheap, but usually people get rated by two companies to have that comparison. And do certain like lenders prefer certain rating agencies or are they all largely seen as the same, the three of them? They're largely seen as the same. I think the bigger ones, but I think it's also historically are Fitch and Moody's, uh, sorry, Moody's and S&P. And then you have Fitch, which I, I guess historically came in the picture later. Mm. Um, it's also Canadian agency, so maybe more used in, in, in other markets. Um, and then you have, like I mentioned, scope and there's, there's definitely others, but so there is a change in the landscape of the rating agencies, but I do think the three ones that have been historically there are still the, the standards. Mm -hmm. We had, um, Alex Griffith from Fritch ratings on the mm -hmm. show, and he was explaining that in the process of rating companies, there is this exchange between the corporates and the agency. Yeah. So I understand why as a rating agency, he would say that, but we're interested into getting the corporate side and point of view, like, is there a real exchange between you or a treasury department and the rating agency? And what's the dynamic exactly? There is a real exchange. Yes. Okay. Um, so we speak to our rating agencies probably every six months. I mean, again, it depends on what rating you have, right? I mean, if you're an investment grade rating and you're, I don't know, triple A prime, maybe you don't talk to them as much from our perspective. So we talk to them regularly. Like every six months, we have an official annual review okay. every year. 
So yeah, like I said, there is a real exchange of information. Um, so we sit down regularly with our rating agencies. We present to them our financials. Um, we look at our, at the time we do our budget for the year, mm -hmm. we will review that with them. We will review our strategic plan with them. We will, I mean, in our case, we've had a lot of what we call non-recurring expenses as a result of reorganization. So you explain in a little bit more detail to them what is behind the numbers. So I think you're more open to your rating agencies than you are to the external world. Um, so the information you give is not public information. So there is a real exchange. And then you also, as a company, so rating agencies issue reports. And mm -hmm. so the, when there is an event that happens, they might issue an ad, ad hoc report, but once a year they will issue a report either reconfirming your ratings or, or upgrading you or, or downgrading you. You do have, as a company, always the final say in what is mentioned in that report. Not the result and not the outcome. Makes sense. Uh, but how it is worded, how it is phrased, what you want them to disclose, what you don't want them to disclose, you have final say as an organization in what is being published. Interesting. And in cases where you have two rating agencies, is the, first of all, do the two rating agencies communicate between each other about nope. their clients? Okay. And when you get not, it, at least not that I know of, let me put okay. it. I was very direct. No, <laughs> no but at least not that, not you, that I, that I am aware well, of. I think we can trust your word on that. And in the meeting that you have with them, is it the two agencies at the same time or here again is one yeah. and the other? Oh, okay. yeah. 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 Completely independent. Interesting. So you could theoretically decide that you want to say more or less to one agency than the other one. I don't, I mean, again, from my perspective, we try to be as transparent as possible with, with both of them. We have a good relationship with them. Like I said, I don't always agree with what their, the outcome is, but, um, but we have good communications with them. And they're very clear on what they expect. And so they are also saying like, okay, if, if you want your ratings to, to be upgraded, those are the metrics that we're looking at. And we actually know exactly how they calculate them. Because I would say it's like if we do a projection of what our leverage will be, six months from now or a year from now, it's based on our official numbers. It's based on the way we calculate leverage. Um, the rating agencies have their own way of calculating it. They take certain elements into account. They disregard certain elements. Um, they take a buffer on numbers that we presented. So they come up with a, a totally different rating, but it's their rating and it's consistent. So we've spent, for example, in my case, a lot of time with them understanding exactly what they take into account, what they don't take into account. And they only work officially on um, published information. So well, whatever we tell them, they will take that into account. But when they calculate their metrics, it's really based on, on publicly based, publicly available information. Interesting. Do you see a difference when you're working with the different agencies, like to some ask more questions, do some go in more detail, or do they even focus on different things? And you kind of see, oh, this one's rating is kind of more focused on the debt aspect, and this one's a little bit more focused on the, the operations aspect, and... No, not really. I think the, the principles... So, so yes, of course, the questions they ask and the level of detail some go in um, are different. But it's all based on the same metrics. So they look at cash flow and liquidity at that. Um, so that is really not 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 very different. Hmm. And I think it also depends. It's like if you're um, the person who follows your your file 
has been on the file for a long time or, or, or a little bit less. Um, I mean, so I guess that depends uh, also on what type of questions you ask. If they've known me for a long time, I mean, they also know exactly what the business is about. Um, so, but it is interesting conversations and you keep them up to date about things that happen. That, so for example, if you would do a press release about a senior member of staff leaving in the organization, it would just be a, a, a basic press release. However, when you then talk to your rating agencies, you will give a little bit more color and, and explain a little bit and, and, and they will identify whether they see it as a problem or not. Interesting. We're going down the rabbit hole here, but we love it. Can you have three ratings eventually? Is there any interest in doing that? Well, we talked about split ratings earlier, yeah. right? I mean, so you could decide that you wanted to have a third rating okay. because then you could take the two highest um, and okay. the lowest rating. The third one is still public. The third one is still public. So any investor can still go and find yes. the other one. Yes. 